How you doing, Damien? Pretty good, Tim. Yeah. What's going on in Raptors land? Well, we uh, have one unreleased song that we're going to release, and then we are going to release the full-length album. Um, we've been releasing the songs as singles, and um, then we have a couple other songs that we are writing and hopefully going to have out in the fall. Well, I think your music deserves to be heard. Thank you. And you know what? At You Grow, they offer organic growth for your content through a variety of packages to suit your budget. You Grow is dedicated to growing your fan base and nurturing real fan engagement. So none of this bullshit, like they're really, really going to, they'll let you know straight up, like, is this good or bad, right? So when you choose to partner with You Grow, you're choosing to work with an operation that promises fans, not just numbers. I know a lot of people want numbers, but like, it's more than that. You want people that are going to buy your merch and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You want sustainable success. Yeah. You Grow is dedicated to growing your fan base and nurturing real fan engagement. When you choose to partner with You Grow, you're choosing to work with professionals that have been there. They have done that. So like, it's not just about numbers. It's about really growing a fan base, which is important. It's funny because I remember years ago, I was talking to the manager of Event Sevenfold, right? And he doesn't really care how many albums they sold. It was how many t-shirts they sold, right? So you've got to build that fan base. And yeah. at You Grow, it's made up of artists with experience influencing audiences, and it makes for great brand conversations. And they have the skills and the understanding to bring you top-ranking promotional service for your brand and or band. So go to YouGrowPromo.com. Tell them that full-on Church of Rock and Roll sent you, and rock and roll. Right on. And we're back. It has been a minute. I'm going to have to stand up. I know you like that. I do. Oh, yeah. Just want to be. Give us the full profile. Fully <laughs> alert. Yeah. There you go. Did you take a Viagra? Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, embarrassing. For me or you? No, for you. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Tim, tell us who we got today. Uh, today's going to be good. Today we have Greg Leonard. Uh, Greg Leonard is a, a writer and a composer. Um, and he actually, he scored this film coming out, I think on relativity, relativity called uh, triumph. Yeah. And the thing about this is he is the first person to offer the, the original movie score as an NFT. I don't know anything about NFT. That is non fungible token. Is that correct? Is that what it's called? Fungible? That, What's yeah, fungible? fungible? It means it's like, it's only digital. You can only get it there. You can't get it anywhere else. Mm. I, I learned something today. Yeah. That's everyone at home is going to look it up and be like, nope, that's not what it means. Yeah. And that's not what it was. <laughs> that, that's fine. I mean, he's a very talented guy. He's actually, I used to, you know, he, he produces stuff. We did some sessions together and, um, he's a great player, man. He's a great guitar player. Um, just a good overall good dude. And, and I'm, I'm very interested because like you said, I don't know anything about NFT, right? Mm -hmm. Um, most so, people don't. Yeah. So don't feel bad. I, I won't. I won't feel bad at all, but I look forward to learning because I think I have a lot of things that I can NFT. So cool. He should be calling in any minute. Uh, it is hot as balls right now in Southern California. Yeah, it is spicy out here. Yeah. Yeah. I have a I was moving. I just moved um, to the east side, which people call the new west side. <laughs> uh, I moved to Pasadena in our break here. We've had a couple week break and uh, it's fantastic. I love Pasadena. So that's great. Yeah. A lot of cool continues stuff. to treat you right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you got going on, Damien? Well, I'm just interested to hear about this NFT, and um, I think it's really cool that he was the first to get on it. And mm -hmm. 
So really looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. That was a cool sentence. That's what I got. That's what I got. Yeah. Not looking forward to talking to Greg for sure. It's going to be cool. Yeah. This is your first Father's Day coming up, right? Oh, that is pretty impressive, man. Yeah. That is pretty impressive. So just let me know what you want to get me. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. I'll buy you lunch, a knuckle sandwich. There we go. Or ice cream today. Uh, handles I, from Cleveland. I will buy you Handles ice cream, which is now in Pasadena from from Cleveland, Ohio. That's the update. People know that you said that they were going to open up, but now they are open. Yeah. If you want to fight me or I owe you money, just go to Handles, <laughs> um, and Colorado, that's where I'll, that's where I'll Pasadena. usually be. Yeah. What's the fa- What's your favorite? They have this birthday cake ice cream. I sound like a child at this point, but dude, ice cream is great. You only eat it. things yeah. off the child. You're, you're in good company. I do. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not like I go and get like two scoops. I get a quart every time. Yeah. Well, you know you, what I mean? Yeah. So, but, but I'm a faster. I don't eat after four o'clock. So I eat a bunch of shit and then I don't eat for whatever, 16, 17, 18 hours. So kind of helps. Yikes. All right. Look I'm at just kidding. Well, look at that. I used to do that, but then. <laughs> Abs. Then I would forget to eat when I was supposed to eat. <laughs> yeah. And then I would pass out. That happened to me. I was, um, I was going to the, the Pasadena thing, whatever, the, the flea market at the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to get bagels, and and I was like, "Fuck, this line's too long. I'm just gonna leave. I'll get something there." And then it hit me like I didn't eat, and it was like 103 degrees. And oh, yeah, it'll I was get you. Wearing what I'm wearing now, which it's 100 degrees, so I which have if this, you guys could see this, Tim's woo. wearing his speed suit. <laughs> yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah. I look like um, He's I'm aerodynamic. A speed yeah. Suicidal tendencies, basketball jersey, but this thing I wore during this time we were gone. I was in Arizona with with Pennywise, and I wore this this uh, it's a, a dry wick. Type. It's basically like yeah. Under Armour, but not Under It makes Armour. you more... Yeah, it's like $9 Under Armour. <laughs> right. but, but it, it makes you works. more aerodynamic when you fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I'm stabbing someone, it's like... <laughs> yeah. Right. So smooth. <laughs> so cool. So we're waiting for Greg to call in. I'm very excited to speak to him about this. And um, here we go. Oh, right on cue. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Hey, Greg, how are you doing, man? Good, man. How you, how's it going today? It's going good. It's going good. We were just uh, kind of... Doing a little intro here and very excited to have you on because um, you have myself and you have Damien De La Torre here. Hey, what's going on? And his brother, hey, Ike. Hey, nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you as well. Hey, how's it going, Greg? Ike here. Hi, Ike. Nice to meet you. Nice yeah. to meet you Hi. as well. So this is going to be great for us because none of us know anything about NFT. And as we were talking about, like, you know, you, you, you scored the first movie score for a soundtrack that's for sale as an NFT for the movie Triumph, right? Yes, that was ever created. I actually, I, I'm getting ready to make the, the it's for sale announcement, but I, cr- I created an NFT for the very first uh, film score okay. nice. in history. So yeah, it's, it's cool. It's one of those things where uh, a convergence of events came together and um, it was a moment that I, um, and the door I walked through. So it's one of those things where it, it's, there's only one first time of anything. And I'm lucky enough that this score represents the first time for that. Yeah. Congratulations. So, and uh, just for everyone who doesn't know, it is non-fungible token. Is that correct? Exactly. That's, oh, that's the, nice. what, what the official, you know, and, I, and to tell you the truth, you know, at, the end of whole NFT thing is, is certainly an area where like, you know, everyone is still, on the learning curve, right? I mean, yeah. it's even even people like Mark Cuban, who is a very you know uh, strong proponent of NFTs as a platform, really mess. He goes, "Look, I'm you know I'm I'm into my second month of like really diving into this because it, you know, what it represents is 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 actually kind of a 
almost a reconceptualization of you know ownership and ownership of rights and on the larger kind of macro level of it. It, it that's what it kind of represents is a shift like that so it's there's a lot of people playing catch up and just actually trying to figure out what this means and and how it works so it, i was it, also one of those it's one of those things where i i always keep telling everyone and it, and it kind of started with like you know itunes and stuff like that where you're really not going to own anything i i actually think we're going to get to a point of digital dollars where you work or whatever you get paid for it's going to be like a coupon they'll have an expiration date because they just kind of want you to consume right so you just got to spend it and spend it and spend it yeah exactly and you know and and even though it this has you know a tie-in to crypto currency as you know on the larger thing but it's actually it's not crypto but you know Dogecoin. But it, yeah, so <laughs> yeah it's not it's not do, it's no dogecoin but uh but it's it's interesting because you know like crypto it basically uses decentralized blockchain um registration and ledgerization of assets so it's 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 a very unique and kind of powerful tool for people who are creatives to protect you know their you know their and register their assets and find ways to do, you know exploit those assets in creative ways but you know and there's a lot of you know there's been a lot of kind of stories about you know these crazy sexy stories of people like you know they're selling a meme for 500,000 and all this kind of stuff and, and that's fun but at the bottom of that is i think you know and without you know speaking making too big a statements but i mean i think it can be said that this actually i think represents one of the biggest technology shifts it really kind of almost like since you know it's kind of like when the internet came on and social media came up or smartphones it's it's that kind of a platform launch that's one of those things that changes everything eventually and like you know about four or five years down the road you know there's not going to be a business that doesn't have an nft component and you know so what you're seeing is kind of a you know, there's been a lot of focus on the collectability aspect of it, which is cool. You know, there's that's where it kind of came from. NFTs have been around for I don't know three or four years now. Actually, I mean, I wasn't aware of it, but people were using them to they were creating them to you know as like digital assets for like online gaming and that kind of thing. And but now it's 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 really evolved into kind of it's going to be a, a an ecosystem and a platform that in, in the case of what I'm focusing on and this company that I'm involved with called NFT validators, what we're focused on is, is utilizing it for like media production and film production and different aspects of that kind of IP. And you know, we have some patented um, aspects of what we do in terms of, of, of utilizing a strategy for along those lines. And, it's interesting because you know I just found myself at this at this moment a couple months ago because you know I'm not really a tech bro I'm not you know I wasn't into crypto but, but what I have been is like you know a dude in the trenches of this business like everyone else for the last pretty much my entire adult life working on protecting my rights or finding ways to you know protect rights of things you know that I create or um, you know, publishing and all that. And I happened to be in this moment where 
I had completed a feature film that was actually going out into theaters, which is, you know, fairly rare in general and certainly during the pandemic. And I had managed to keep my rights to my score. It's like there's 80 minutes of score in this movie. And so that was fairly unique position to be in. And because uh, most of the time these are like work for hire and, you know, you give away at least the publishing and keep the writers or there's a lot of companies that are trying to just, just, you know, straight buyouts these days. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of uncertainty as to what a new business model will be around this kind of media creation and, you know, how is a composer going to make money and, so I found myself in the position of actually I own my score. That's I owned fantastic. every aspect wow. of it. And uh, it wasn't easy, <laughs> but uh, I, I found myself there. And uh, and it's a cool project. It's, it's a, I really enjoy the movie. Um, and it, there's underlying themes of the movie that I, that uh, resonate with me. And I think it, it has an audience that, that, that uh, it will reach out there, especially when they're going into – I think they're going to launch into some um, streaming platforms soon. Well, let's, but it just go ahead. I'm no, what, what, so let, let's talk about the movie real quick. It's called Triumph. Like, what, what's the yeah. movie about? So it is based on these the life of the uh, the guy who wrote the screenplay, who is a man with cerebral palsy who lives in Kansas, and he's been writing his entire life and it's based loosely on his experiences of going to high school in the eighties of like, you know, dealing with, you know, having CP and he wanted to be a wrestler and he wanted to, and, and ultimately it's just about, you know, not being defined by what is considered a disability or I think people in the disability community would consider just a different way of being, you know, and not allowing those kind of limitations on himself. So he wrote this screenplay and then RJ Mitty, who uh, plays Walter White Jr. in Breaking Bad, oh, who's nice. a oh, yeah. great, he's a great young actor and RJ actually has CP. And so um, he came on board and this was, you know, a few, two or three years ago. This is a classic kind of, you know, independent film uh, arc here, you know, um, and then, uh, Terrence Howard, who's in, you know, Puzzle Flow and Empire and Iron Man, came on as the coach. And so it's it's a basically a really kind of straight ahead, hard on its sleeve, but very sweet kind of inclusivity story of this kid who just wants, you know, he wants to wrestle. It's, you know, it's, and he wants basically just to be treated like everyone else and uh, be defined by his CP. Um, Jonathan Shake uh, plays the father, who's a really great actor. So it it's this movie with, with some really strong performances. You know, RJ is really good in it. Um, Terrence is really good, and so is Jonathan. And you know, it's uh, and it's cool because it's set in the '80s. So I had a lot of fun with uh, some of the music. Oh, so so you, so you scored it, but you're also the music supervisor, right? Yeah. So I. So I scored it, which ended up being, you know, normally on a film like this, there's about 40 minutes of score. This, I ended up scoring this thing to 80 minutes, wow, <laughs> so which wow. is, it's pretty much wall to wall. And then on, on some spots, they wanted to use obviously a handful of classic iconic tracks from the eighties to kind of, you know, it really puts you 
in the in that space. So they right. they used uh, "Shock the Monkey" by mm. Peter Gabriel, which I thought uh, was really a great use of that tune. Um, "Dancing with Myself" by Generation X slash Billy Idol, and um, let me see. Oh, well, "Funky Town" because there's a kind of humorous, you know. Uh, neon leotard uh dance workout oh, <laughs> sequence nice, so, nice. right so and so but so <laughs> they could you know like they're all limited it was a limited budget so they managed to get i helped bring in a friend of mine uh who's in the music licensing community who's and she's just a ninja in that and she was able to get um some some pretty good quotes on those three songs and then even even with that we had to appeal directly to Peter Gabriel um, directly because uh, you know they were coming in fairly high and it's, and we really wanted to keep the song and they uh, eventually worked with us and it was fantastic it was you know the uh, the director had worked with Peter um, uh, they did a it had a uh, MTV Music Award back in the 90s together so he was able to call him up and go hey man can you give us a hand here? It's a great little movie. And so that worked out, but then I had to, you know, the score wasn't reflective of, I didn't want the score to be like, you know, stranger things, which, you know, I love that show and I love the music in it, but there, that's definitely an homage to a very specific kind of eighties yeah. score, you know, very synth based John Carpenter, um, you know, uh, Tangerine Dream, all that stuff, which I love, but I didn't want to do that because it had been done. So the score is fairly traditional in, in terms of orchestral kind of more uh, traditional 80s score um, in the use of like reoccurring themes and that type of thing. I also had to replace some of the, um, a couple, I had to create a couple cues, a handful of cues that would sound like 80s tunes so that was fun because they had to got to you know whip out a lynn drum machine and a prophet five (laughs) (laughs) just you know and go okay what you know if i was if i was in the 80s thing and also i got there's i i got to um create a couple of acdc-esque songs which is a little bit more closer to my heart and uh (laughs) open tuning or no uh no open tuning um but just uh, some some cranked up marshals and, nice. and, uh, and that was fun. So so I, I did have some fun in that regard. And then the, the scoring aspect of it was um, that was it was it was great because you know it it really um, the music was really designed to really support a kind of an emotional narrative. And I love doing that kind of stuff. And then the end scene is he find, he gets to wrestle in a big match and so the nq was 12 and a half straight minutes of a wrestle um so that is like an eternity you know for for a movie cue and it was great because they 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 did a kind of an homage to rocky you know Mm -hmm. because if you watch rocky you go okay there's 12 reversals right yeah exactly he's up he's down He's up, he's down. So it was it was a great, it was a big challenge, but it was a lot of fun to actually kind of weave in this kind of narrative action cue. Because, yeah, I wanted to give this character, you know, a proper Hollywood, you know, action cue. And uh, 
and that, that was fun. It was it was challenging, but it was 12 and a half minutes. Man. And uh, let me ask wow. you this, Greg. How do you like when you're scoring a movie, right? Do you mm-hmm. how do you get in the mindset of, of the approach you want to take? Do you read the script first? Do you see a rough cut? Like what what's the process? I will read the script. And then um, if in a perfect world, I, you know, I'll watch a, 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 the cuts or at least some scenes as they're being put together. And then they'll give me a rough cut. But I'll try not to do. And at that at that point in this, that allowed me to at least start uh, conceptualizing some of the themes. So I wanted, to, you know, there's like like I said, I'm using kind of a traditional um, kind of filmic narrative thing of those elite motifs where, you know, you, you'll have a theme for almost each character or a theme for a very specific kind mm-hmm. of melancholy moments. And so I, I, I create. You can start creating those knowing that you know the the love interest is going to have this kind of thing and and uh the main character this will be his theme because you, you'll reiterate different parts of those throughout the and different versions of them you know one will be a solo guitar thing or a solo piano thing but there or there's full-on orchestral versions so i'll, I'll try to get that and then but i as much as i can hold out for you know, was those locked picture because, which means, you know, this is the edit, it's not changing. Because for especially something like a um, a wrestling scene, you know, something like that, you know, I, I really score very tight to picture, you know, like yeah. when he goes yeah. down on the mat, this has got to happen. So that's, you know, you're dealing with a lot of very varying tempos, tempos are going up and down. I mean, you have to hit picture. Mm-hmm. And right. That's what. So if the worst thing that can happen is you you do a big cue, and then it's like, well, okay, yeah, no, we changed the edit a little bit. Like, yeah. oh, oh my man. god, yeah, it's about a pain in the ass, right? It's like when someone does oh, a yeah. music video but they don't play music, and it's like, oh, there's the drum part. Oh, they're uh, showing the bass player. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, a lot of times, you know, a great editor will have a knowledge of music right because they they'll they'll be they'll be editing kind of rhythmically or they'll if they're editing with with the temp music and or the score they'll they'll know you know not to chop in the middle of the beat yeah. but you know right. i had one thing years ago i did a um i scored a promo spot for american idol and it's like this, i think it was like the big season finale thing so it was like this big kind of dramatic thing that builds and builds and builds and breaks and then they Simon Cowell says some kind of smart ass thing and then, you know, then boom, back into the music and all that. And everyone's happy, delivered it. And literally the day they were going to start showing it, you know, I got a call from the, uh, the, the, the editor. He's like, yeah, we had to change, you know, uh, we had, we were a little bit over. So we had to chop like three seconds out. Why don't you take a look and just make sure it's still working. And of course they had chopped, you know, right in the middle of, you know, like a bar or something. It did some uh. kind of, horrible and like you know would most people hear that maybe not but it'll just kind of sound wrong and then you know and they're not going to go boy that editor kind of screwed up no they're gonna go boy yeah. that whoever composed that didn't have didn't know their ass from all the ground you know yeah. or you know they have a sense of rhythm so i did some some musical bondo pretty quick and <laughs> got it working but well, you try to avoid that b- before we go into NFT school, which we all want to go into and need to tell us a little bit about yourself. Like I, you're from the Midwest. You're like, 
Yes. So. Yeah. I know that you you and I share that. I don't know if any of the other guys do. But, uh, we're from California, I, but we've heard all about handles. I don't know if you're from. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just opened it up in Pasadena. We're going after this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I would I would strongly suggest it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to grow up in the Midwest, you know, and um I, you know, I say that because, you know, I think there's informative experiences of, you know, we grew up in a, in also an era of rock and roll that was just a great time to be yes. there and doing that. And so it was, you know, it's kind of the classic arc of, you know, I graduated, I did graduate early. I got out of high school at 16 and started to, uh, started to, you know, play gigs. I, I, it was a time when, especially in the town where I grew up, it was Toledo, and it's probably, I'm sure, throughout the rest of the area, um, you know, these kind of shot in blue-collar town, uh, in the beer blue-collar towns, all had bars, you know, and people would go out and party, and so there was gigs, and so I was lucky enough to come up in a time where I was playing with older dudes, for sure, and was able to get an education in, you know, bar rooms all throughout you know, certainly Ohio and parts of the Midwest. And it was great. And, and, uh, did that for quite a while and, um, loved it. And then got into the recording aspect of it. I was, you know, it was classic thing. I was in the band and we were going to try to do something and spent a year making a pretty expensive album. We always used studios up in Detroit. For some reason at that point, Toledo didn't really have, working what I consider professional studio. So we got into kind of the Detroit slash Ann Arbor of uh, kind of music flow. And then the band of course broke up, but I realized that actually what I really loved doing was I loved being in the studio. So I um, started, I was brought into uh, by, uh, this guy who was starting a studio in Ann Arbor who I had worked with it. He was a great engineer. And he said, look, you got to learn, you know, come on in with me on this and, you know, do learn to engineer. You're, you're already kind of good at it. And so then I did that for a long time and got into producing bands and engineering. I loved it. You know, I mean, it was, you know, we were basically would pull these great arts from Detroit or all over the Midwest. And, you know, uh, we were a great kind of sounding rock and roll studio and I, really loved it. And I started to get into also at that point, you know, there was uh, the beginning of this kind of thing where there was a lot of indie bands were being able to be licensed into uh, film and TV. There was a, um, there was kind of a big uh, market opening up for that. So I was kind of early on that um, because I had a lot of clients who were in great bands. And so we, we started putting stuff in film and TV then I got a couple of small music supervision gigs, and then that led to, um, you know, some additional music gigs on a couple films. And then it, you know, I got to the point where I had been doing the studio thing for about 15 years of like, you know, maybe not that long, but 12 years of like every single day and having great experiences, but also, you know, just a grind at a certain point. And it was time to to make a move and uh, i had an agent at that time in la and he said oh, come on out here and so we moved 
um, probably about 12 years ago, and started really focusing on um, on film, TV, you know, a, a lot of trailer stuff, and just kind of like a, been an independent person doing that stuff for a long time. And still keeping, I still love to mix. I love mixing and, and even producing um, some artists. So I still keep my hand in doing that. And uh, um, and that's, and I've done, you know, sound design. So I, I've, I've pretty much been on almost every part of the equation in terms of, um, you know, being a, a, dealing with rights in terms of, you know, publishing and film sync world. You know, I've been the music supervisor. I've been the artist. I've been the composer. So I, I've kind of done a bit of all that kind of stuff. To, and and that's a huge asset to have because when, when you've been through it all, you see every part of it. So you can help oh, yeah. guide the artist or you can help round things out for them, which is great. And you know, you're, you're telling me stories like when, when you were recording and you had the studio in Ann Arbor, like you actually got to work with a lot of like really, you know, important artists from the time that were kind of past their prime, I guess you would say, but they were, they were still active and they still want to play. Like the one that comes up is always for me, Johnny B who was, you know, Oh God. I yeah, mean, he was in yeah. Detroit wheels. He was in the band Detroit. I mean, it's just fascinating. And that, that guy's just a legend. Like, I don't, if you guys don't know who Johnny B is, listen to Devil with the Blue Dress by Mitch Ryder and Detroit Wheels. There's this drum fill, which I don't know if it's like complicated simplicity or simple complicated. I don't know. What it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got, you know, the, Johnny B is such a cool example because, you know, he's, I think, you know, he, I think he's one of Ringo's favorite drummers, you know. I yeah. mean, it's like, wow. he, he's like, he's just like the guy back then that a lot of other drummers looked up to and and that goes into the whole kind of you know kind of detroit thing that was kind of amazing to be slightly on the peripheral of because we were in ann arbor of course ann arbor had its own kind of history with the stooges and iggy and so some of those guys would come in you know it just deals with pedigree that were just amazing to work with and um and then back you know this is a few years ago back you know you could still some of those, you know, Motown guys would come in to just to do sessions, you know, people would hire them in. So you get, I, I did a lot of sessions with this drummer named Pistol Allen, who's, you know, as we speak, Pistol's play, being played throughout the world right now. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. he'd always kept, he'd walk into the studio and he always had the same line. He goes, he goes, Hey man, he goes, you know, those drums and heard it through the grapevine. I go, yeah. He goes, We're, they're in the trunk of my car right now. <laughs> and, and, and upon which I'd always go, well, fucking bring them in and let's yeah. wake them up, man. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, so it, was, it was a lot of that kind of stuff where, you know, or I had I had some young, I had a young dude who was a really great singer-songwriter. I mean, just a lot, one of these just, you know, naturally talented guys. And he was in and uh, he had a guitar player with him who was like his high school buddy. These guys were kids, you know. And the, but the buddy was pretty good on the guitar, and it turned out that his um, his uh, uh, grandfather was uh, Jim Messina, who he was one of the oh, Motown guitar players, the guy who did the My Girl riff, right? Yeah. Wow. And, and of course, to him, it's just his grandfather. But I, at one point, I just said, "Look, dude, I just gotta let." You. I mean, the perspective on this is as we're doing this, your grand your grandpa is being heard, you know. 
in like fucking Thailand, right? I mean, it's like he's <laughs> around the world, you yeah. know? It's like, I know he's your grandpa and that's primarily what he is to you, but I got, I just get a kick out of the fact that there's a lot of legendary music that meant a lot to me, yeah. you know, that's just kind of out there. And to be able to kind of bump up and intersect with some of those people um, and, and, you know, record them and, and, and be part of that process, you know? I, you know, we had a... Go ahead, so, Greg. I'm sorry. So we had, we had this woman named uh, Betty Levette come in. I don't know if you know who Betty is, but she, you know, she was one of the kind of early 60s soul singers that never quite hit huge, but had a good career and then was resurrected about 10 years ago in terms of her career because she had a couple albums produced by um, uh, some some dudes out, you know, some like Joe Henry or some, you know, somebody who kind of got her into this hip culture. But but Betty came in to do a um, a uh, a tribute song when Alan Toussaint died, and uh, and she just came in. And I put up a mic and she sang and it was perfect. And that was it, you know, yeah. done. And that was the moment of like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. That's, that's right. I mean, that's how this stuff used to go down. You know, I mean, there were people who were just so good. That's how those great albums got made. Yes. There was some great engineering, but those players and singers, when you're at that level, it's just, you just do what you do and magic comes out. It was fun to be part of that. Yeah, I was I was talking to um, actually a friend of the show who's been on the show, Jim Donadio, about you know we had a we always have the Saturday morning conversations and we were talking about Humble Pie and it's just you know unfortunately this yeah. band is known for two great songs you know Thirty Days in the Hole and, and their cover of I Don't Need No Doctor but they were so fucking good dude and it's like and it's all just you, the engineer is Eddie Kramer most of the time so yeah obviously he's great at what he does but they were just so good at what they did that oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean and you had to have talent to rise above back then it's not necessarily the case anymore um which I know you probably call the the Van Halen factor but uh, well <laughs> well you know, those guys were, supreme, were were very very talented but it's like you know I always not to I always try to contextualize it by going like look even like back then even what would now be considered some kind of third string band, which it's not, but like, so let's take Foghat, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, you go, well, the bass player in Foghat had to be really, really good. Yeah. I mean, it's like, even it didn't matter if you, you didn't go into a studio. I mean, there were some exceptions, obviously, but, you know, just the cost of uh, entry, it's like you had to, you had to be, you had to be good at what you did. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's one of those things where, like, as time goes on, and, and it's just natural because it happens with movies from Hollywood. Like, you'll see these old classic movies. Like, oh, no one talks about this one anymore. They only talk about those ten. Steve, We talked about Steve Miller a couple weeks ago. Like, everyone knows those songs, you know, Fly Like an Eagle, Abracadabra, all that shit that I don't like. But right. You, but you think about, like, everyone should own the album Brave New World by Steve Miller Band, right? Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and the last song on that album is called My Dark Hour, which is actually probably written by Paul McCartney. And it was on the day that the Beatles actually pretty much broke up because of the day that they signed everything over to Alan Klein. He stayed in the studio. He worked with, with uh, Steve on this track, which is the actual riff that's at the intro of Fly Like an Eagle. But, yeah. it, it's, it, you know, and he's, he's on that song. He plays the guitar, the bass, and the drums and background vocals. It's his song. It's just brilliant, but those stories fade away over time, and, it, and it's just yeah. it's just heartbreaking that people just hear, "Oh, I like Steve Miller Band," and then they, you know, they sing the Joker, whatever it is, you know what I mean? But like, just you got to dig deep, be, yeah, because yeah. 
this music is so important and these people put their their lifeblood into it and it's just i don't know man i i just hope one day that everyone just takes deep dives in everything if you like a song take the deep dive because there's so much more you can learn oh yeah just you know back that was back when you know albums you know before they became unfortunately kind of bastardized but you know almost were you know works of art you yeah. know and the concepts the concepts are just you know you know just collections of really good songs i mean people were trying to make really good albums yeah for a while there because the album didn't really come really into fruition until what 66 67 and then had probably a good 10 to 15 year run it's you know yeah i mean it was pretty much thing. They, everyone credits pretty much like uh sergeant pepper or you know the pretty Beach things Boys. to having the, the that first album where it wasn't a singles game anymore like you had to buy the album pet sounds yeah pet sounds but even that even something like the zombies um whatever that classic one uh they were great yeah <laughs> you know or the small faces i mean yeah marriott was so marriott was just one of the greatest singers in rock and roll and it's it's, it's hilarious i was doing a um a uh, recording project with uh with a guy who was from canada who did a lot of stuff in detroit um named jordy rafool who was just an amazing singer um and and jordy comes from the you know the paul rogers steve marriott kind of wing of that but he was really good friends with tanya marriott which is steve's daughter mm -hmm. and she was a good singer so she came in and did some uh some background vocals and some of this stuff and I, you look at it and go wow she looks just like her dad wow. <laughs> was, mustache was, and all <laughs> well you no, know, this i'm talking about i know mustache steve marriott so i thought about you know uh yeah, everyone talks about the mustache but not pre-mustache <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i always tried to you know sorry uh, tanya that, yeah sorry but you know just we mentioned i don't need no doctor that's still kind of the gold standard you know and it's like that moment in that song where, you know, they've done the big breakdown thing and they're getting mm -hmm. ready to go back in. And there's like this moment where like that note is sustaining, you know, they're going to just start rocking the shit out of it. And you can almost feel the, the entire oxygen in the room go, <gasps> yeah. you, know, and, uh, duh, you know, that those are great moments, man. Yeah. I mean, th that's, you know, I, I always date myself on here. I actually got to see Humble Pie, but it was at the end, but the end was so long time ago. Um, yeah. And it was that. Listen to this, Bill. It was Humble Pie, Mahogany Rush, and Angel, oh, wow. the band Angel. Oh, man, with Punky, right? Yeah, Punky. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and I loved Angel, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, but it, so it was. It was just Jerry Shirley and, and Steve, and they're they were still they're already doing. Uh, they were doing small faces songs at the you know just get people interested. But the point is, he couldn't sing anymore, and it was very sad. Like they had City, oh, City was in the band at the time, but like it was just weird to hear him not being able to sing like he could because you know you just knew those classic albums and you grew oh, up with those. Oh my god, he, he was the greatest. I mean, I, I'll never forget, and I've and I've actually. Uh, paid this forward to quite a few people you turned me on to that small faces song you need cooling mm -hmm. where basically it's the blueprint for everything robert plant yes went on to do two years later i mean you listen to it and you go you know like robert plant should be writing a royalty check every month to the marriott estate yes. <laughs> you know it's yeah. like and uh 
and I, and I, I try to explain this to people and they, ah, oh, yeah. And until I play it for them. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, it was, that, that's a tragedy because he was the great, I mean, he was, he, one of the one of the greats. He was the know? greatest, and and just you know they're they're known for, and we're we're gonna get back to NFT, but I got I gotta get on this humble pie thing right now. So they're known <laughs> for rocking the film, all right. And like if you yeah. if you put that album on, you can hear like ACDC took you know so much stuff from that album, like the song High Voltage by ACDC is is from that album. Um, oh yeah, Kiss took I Still Love You from their version of Walking uh, Gilded Splinters, and you know Gene Simmons is whole. The whole way he sings, like if you listen to Kiss Cold Gin and then you listen to Greg Ridley sing on that album, the bass player from Humble Pie, that's where Gene took everything. You know what I mean? So yeah. I mean if you're if you're into what rock and roll and in and, and bands that sell action figures, go back and see where they came from because it, it's all there. Yeah. And what you don't want to do is see that new version of Paul singing Ooh Child. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't know if you gonna get easier. No, I, 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 no, 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 no. I don't want to even talk about it. I had someone send. Look, first of all, I think it's a great song, but but I had someone send that to me like late one night. I'm like, wow, did I, did I eat some peyote? I didn't know it. You know, tripping like, balls. Was, was, that, was the mushrooms on that pizza something? Yeah. You know, that was yeah. a weird, Oh man, this is. I don't know what this is, but man, yeah. <laughs> you sign me up. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. That's, Anyways, okay. I'm yeah. sorry. We don't need that. We you just ruined Tim's day. No, 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 no. Listen, oh I I get it. Like I said, I would prefer to listen to you know the old like Kiss. Kiss was great from like '74 oh, to '77, yeah. but after that it was a commodity but those other bands yeah. that they took from and acd they were there they're real free cactus we talk about cactus on here all the time because i'm such a jim mccarty fan mm-hmm. um oh yeah and 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 humble pie and there's just so much so uh that being said let's let's go to nft school because okay. i really want to get to understand this stuff i really want to get to you know because i think what you did is such an amazing thing and, it, and it, the, the forethinking on that is, is is great so let's let's take an arbitrary example like Let's say, and when I say that, I mean I'm gonna give an example that I could work with. <laughs> so, okay. so let, let's pretend I have a song, right? And I don't know what to do with it. How would I take a song and then make it an NFT type thing? Educate us. <laughs> okay. So the first thing you do is you would register the song um, on the blockchain, and but uh, so what the blockchain is. And uh, not to go into too deep of a no, dive. No, please, please do. I'm taking notes. So the, so the blockchain, the, the blockchain is a decentralized, uh, you know, uh, network of computers. And what it, and what it does is, is, when you register something, it creates a ledger of that, right? So it, but no one computer has it all, and it's constantly being verified through very complex. Uh, cryptology and mathematical problems so 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 what it does is it makes it an extremely no it's not like where a ledger exists in a single space and so we can go in and mess with it and change things it can't once it's registered that's it's immutable which means it's it, it can't be altered so it's a very safe way of saying i i own this song so you it's, know it's locked in it's locked in okay and that's what's great about it. So, and what what's cool about an NFT? So, the NFT 
it's basically kind of like a digital representation of that song. It's like the the the, the thing that that's uh, the deed to the song, so to speak. And you can attach, you know, some uh, some art to that. But what it is is it's also built on the thing called a smart contract, which is just lines of code. So it basically the smart contract is a great way to to, to contract, you know, business. So it, you know, you can program into it look if this happens if if someone pays this amount of money they get this rights to the song or you know you can build in all the kind of um potential um ways upon which the song can be monetized into the smart contract someone can buy it outright you can fractalize you know shares into the song some bands are doing that there's a lot of different ways but Ultimately, what it does by having the NFT and having the 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 uh, the song, you know, registered in a way that it allows you the, the freedom to do a lot of very creative things. So you could you could um, you know take parts of the song and create you know combine it with other um, assets and create completely unique M NFTs that you can sell that would then just enhance the you know, the value of the original source and NFT. So it's almost one of those things that, you know, it's like, it's not so much what can be an NFT. It's almost like what can't be an NFT. So people are kind of now rapid. That, that's the kind of thing where people have to wrap their heads around. It's like, okay, wait a minute. You know, what does this mean? And, you know, ultimately for what I'm doing, for what we're doing it, you know, and NFT validators is just ultimately it's about creating a framework for creative um, ways to, you know, monetize a film production or for a composer to, you know, have this, you know, uh, his, his intellectual property and find ways to either do deals, you know, either sell it or license it. I mean, there's whole licensing models that can be built on NFTs. You know, it, it's going to eliminate a lot of middle people, you know, in, in which in a good way, you know, so and I'm extremely inter you know, excited about the smart contract aspect of it because, you know, I'm sure you guys have experienced this. Anyone who's who's ever had to like kind of chase down the money that's owed to them yeah. in this business. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, right now I'm, I've, you know, I'm owed some money from a film score I did in 2005. You know, I, I, I just happened to, to stumble across, you know, one of my BMI statements that, Oh, wait a minute. Um, there's a, a, um, I think it was Belgium. Uh, oh, wait a minute. They, they collected this in the fourth quarter of 2019, but I haven't seen it, mm. you know? So then you have to contact, you know, BMI, then they have to go after them. And, you know, there's how much of that is out there, you know? I mean, how much, you know, especially in the, the film world, but, you know, also just in, in terms of artists, right? I mean, you know, there's a lot of kind of, gray area so this would help streamline that and make it you know cut out some of the some of the middle channels and then also you know find ways to enforce it and then the other the other thing i did with that with my score because one thing about that what's going on in the nft thing now is that it's you know there's it's a little bit i wouldn't say the wild west but you know it's you know people can register things on the blockchain anyone can register anything on the blockchain so 
what we're doing is we've developed, you know, and been working with kind of uh, validation protocols. So, you know, if there's going to be a platform for people to do, you know, business, uh, you know, and, and, and conduct business or, or have people come in and um, invest money uh, or buy, there's got to be protection. It's gonna, it, It's got to kind of evolve into the next phase, the grown-up phase of it, which is, you know, validation. This is what you own. It's it's verified, and so it's it's protection and kind of a, a framework that mm-hmm. makes that makes sense. Let, so let, let me ask you this real quick. You you keep saying validation or NFT validators. Right. Like, who are these people? Like, how? What? What? I mean, is it an official group? Like, yeah, NFT validators is is a company that that has kind of patented protocols towards you know not only kind of nft strategy for specifically media and film kind of ip but also a kind of uh how how do you how do you verify uh ownership of that kind of ip in a way you know that that makes sense for both the rights holders and people who would be interested in um either licensing or investing or, or, you know, being on the consumer side of that equation. So, okay. um, so it's, you know, if you're right now, you know, one level of verification could be, I've got a cat meme. And it, the whole thing about NFTs is they are, they represent the original of something. There's one of a kind original. So you have to, you know, especially in the era of like digital, you know, technology where things can be easily copied you know you want to make sure that that is indeed the original or the people who say that they own the rights to that song are the people who own the rights to that song and vice versa so it's just a way of doing it now that's you know it's one thing to do that with you know a kind of a collectible out there it's another thing when you're going into this is a, a larger economic ecosystem where you know, let's say we have a large catalog company who's going to come in or, or major artists with a bunch of, you know, classic tunes that are going to want to create, create NFTs of those to monetize it instead of selling them to a hedge fund, <laughs> you know, yeah. then, then, you know, you really don't have to like, you know, ask that artist, okay, prove who you are. And, and that these are your songs. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Of course I wrote this, yeah. but there are, but there are ways to establish that in a, in a way that makes sense for that. It, scenario. It kind of reminds so, me of like in the comic book world or pop culture world, there was the, it was the CGC, right? And they would, they would like, you'd give them like an old Captain America comic book from like, you know, from the sixties or fifties or whatever. And then they would rate it and they would put it in that plastic mm-hmm. and they would give it a 8.5 or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I always wondered what the criteria, so there is a, a certain criteria. Is it based on length? Is it based on like, I mean, what, what, you know what that is? Oh, oh criteria for, for verification. Yes. And so it's it's about literally making sure it's it's kind of like like liking it to like the provenance of a piece of art like you know if you're going to buy a Van Gogh, you want to make sure that that Van Gogh is an actual real Van Gogh and it's and it is what is being represented. Mm-hmm. So in terms of my score, you know, you know I verified that I indeed wrote it, and you know there's ways to do that. You know, you don't have to like go, it's it used like the YouTube model, like, you know, people are scouring, you know, 
the internet to make sure their rights aren't being violated by using AI. I mean, there, there's some of that for some stuff, but what we're talking about is large pieces of, of um, IP, okay. you know, or, or even single pieces of IP like song. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's, it's, it had nothing to do with, with, with length or anything like that. Cause you know, basically I, I verified the entire score, which was about 90 minutes in length. Um, yeah. So, and then see, and then you can create a collection based on that. I'm, I'm looking at possibly breaking it out into the individual queues and having those NFTs represent, you know, but so you have a, a collection of NFTs that all lead back to the, the main NFT, which is the score. Yeah. And, and it's funny because you mentioned the hedge funds thing. Like this to me seems like way better for musicians. Cause like, like Fleetwood Mac just sold their catalog to a hedge fund. And I think that's so fucking gross, man, because like, you know, like I know they wrote those songs and they can do whatever they want with them. Right. But like, those are right. people's lives. Like people, that was the soundtrack to so many things. And it's like now some hedge fund, oh, it's just gross. I don't know. Well, you know, it's it, like, and you've seen that, you know, using that kind of example, if you're an artist who's got, you know, that kind of um, catalog, I mean, you could do an NFT play and, and fractionalize it so that your fan base can buy portions of the song, mm-hmm. oh, you nice. know? So it's like you basically you're giving it back to, you know, um, or one way you could do it is like that where, you you know, you can have because you, know, you can fractionalize it to, you know, thousands of people can own, you know, one, dreams, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and the artist still gets the, you know, the, the payday that that they need or they or they might want at this point but you know it's the fan base gets that so every one of those people you know because of the smart contracts that means that when that song is used or licensed for a, a, a commercial or something like that that you know it, it gets fractionalized out and those people get paid that's amazing. you know that, see that's that, where it yeah. could that yeah that's where it could that's kind of the promise of where a lot of this could go to, See, you know, I and, think when people think of NFT, they think people are just selling their stuff, but, but it is, it, it is a living, breathing thing. Almost. You, you can make money on an NFT that you've purchased. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, look, there's models in especially the art world, but I think some music artists are doing this too, where it's like, okay, I'm going to sell the, the publishing rights to my song or something like that. And, uh, but build into the smart contract is if, if that, song that becomes really popular and the guy who owns the publishing rights goes, man, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell the publishing rights and make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars on it. Well, there, you can build into the smart contract that there's a 10% that goes back to the original creator. Dude, if they ever NFT that one, 800 cars for kids song, I'm doing it. Cause <laughs> that shit's on all oh, the fucking time. Dude, right? yeah. dude, dude, I tell you what, if that, you know, that was probably unfortunately a work for hire. I don't know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't, if I was that dude oh, or, yeah. or a woman, whoever did that, I would be going, I've got the NFT for cars for kids. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, I hate uh, that song, but I legitimately just donated my car to cars for kids. Yeah. <laughs> Cause of that song. <laughs> like, that oh, song. Yeah. I, yeah, I was like, shit. who am I going to do? Oh, all right, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that guy's yeah. probably getting so much pussy. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he probably is. Is that is. how it works? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but you know, it's so it's it's kind of early days. Yeah, you can verify them. (laughs) But it's kind of early days, you know. For so these are the kind of things that can be and will be actually, because but basically it's just 
the NFT is a vehicle, the blockchain registration is a vehicle for, you know, a, a different kind of way of monetizing things that have, you know, value. value. So, you know, if, if a film, you know, there are like already Kevin Smith there is uh, putting together kind of a NFT based kind of film production node. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, people are going in that, in that way. Cause it's, it's, it's a creative way of, of financing, you know, say a film project. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 but also like if, if you have a, a, a property that's got, you know, potential wide fan base, once again, you can also just, you know, you can, it doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, one big sale. You could, you know, fractionalize it out and have the fan base own part of it. And, you know, or, you know, it, there's a lot of creative ways that, that we've developed for doing this kind of stuff. So it's, it's cool to be in the early stages of it. And, and I just, you know, like I said, I was really just lucky enough to find myself. And wait a minute, I'm at this moment in history because like, where no composer right now really has this opportunity is, is right has is in this position because mm-hmm. you know if 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 you've done big movies and stuff you know those were work for hire you got paid a lot of money for it and uh, and that's cool but you know at this point you know it it was it was it was interesting it was in uh, like I said. I've, it's there's only one of of the first. It's a, you know, yeah, that's amazing. The first, yeah. The, yeah. the first time you you know do something. So somebody's got to pave the way. Yeah. 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 And what, what the score represents is it's, it's it's it represents a mark on the timeline for the adoption of this in the larger entertainment sphere. So that's it's an historic marker, and that's it's it's it's, it's cool. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling everyone about it that I know because I, I, you're right. There's always one time to be the first, and you're the first, and it's, it's fascinating to me. So let let's do this. Let's let let's do a recap of if someone didn't know what they're doing, me, and they they had something. Explain what what you would do. Say, all right, I have this thing. I want an NFT. What would be the process for them? Well, there's a couple different ones. I mean, look, anybody can go on and create an NFT. You can go on YouTube and. Uh, there's lots of little five minute videos and uh, you can create your own NFT. Um, and then you can put it on one of these platforms. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's open C they all take, you know, varying levels of, um, uh, a percentage for sale, or you can sell it in, you know, privately. That's one thing I'm considering doing is, uh, you know, because this is kind of almost like a private art auction for the, if I uh, put the score for sale, I might explore privately first, but you can create your an NFT for sure. And then put it out there and, you know, try to get some, you know, there's a lot uh, like, like with anything at this point, it's, there's, you have to kind of find a way to get the narrative. It's, it's cool if it's tied into some other, kind of narrative already if there's if it's a band or a musical artist that that can go out to you know social media platforms and get the word out there so you can put it you can take it to marketplace you can set a price for it you can do an auction um and see what happens um if it's a larger 
kind of IP, like a film, you know, we're doing a, a couple projects at NFT validators, you know, uh, that we're getting ready to announce. Then there, that there's more of a kind of considered strategy and also kind of a verification process you're going to probably want to go through. Um, and so it could, it could be everything from, you know, the most independent kind of thing to, you know, working with a, a platform or a company like NFT validators to, you know, realize what you want to do. Yeah. In all honesty, what do you think is the best, most assured way? Well, once again, it depends upon what you, what you have. If it's something fairly complex, I'd, I'd want to do it, you know, where, where there's, you know, there's rights involved and there's, you know, even multiple people who have to sign off. I would go through, I would get it verified and validated. And because especially if you're going to raise, you know, a fair amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, and there are people looking like, you know, there's a whole aspect of this too, that of what's going on in the kind of the crypto space. Um, you know, NFTs are generally um, tied into Ethereum because it's, it's based mainly based on the Ethereum blockchain, which has its own um, cryptocurrency ether, which, or Ethereum as people call it. And that is poised, I think to do pretty well for a lot of reasons that even kind of go beyond my pay, pay grade in terms of crypto thing. But, you know, there's a lot of people with Ethereum out there who are looking to invest in things, yeah. um, looking to buy things uh, who already have Ethereum. Um, so it's a good platform to be involved in, I think right now. Excuse my ignorance, but is Ethereum, is, th is that the crypto that they use within gaming and for gaming add-ons and that? Um, I think, I, I, I think so. Cause, um, I think the kind of origins of NFTs, if I'm not mistaken, was initially kind of a gaming add-on thing where you could buy assets, mm -hmm. right? You could yeah. buy a second skin and that kind of thing. I'm not a gamer, so I, but this is what I understand to be the Come case. Come on, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my, I could probably call my daughter and she could certainly yeah. educate me on this, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but so in that regard, the, the NFTs were developed for Ethereum, the Ethereum platform. So Ethereum is, you know, something like Bitcoin is, is, is basically is digital gold. It's, it's a currency, yeah. you know, and, and the blockchain was developed for that. Ethereum is more than that, in which, it, it, which is it's basically it's a software platform where you have decentralized apps being um, is this whole ecosystem. So the NFTs were developed, you know, to work on the Ethereum platform, I believe, to, you know, especially for that kind of people will start using for that kind of usage. So, and I, I guess the long answer to your question is my guess is yes, Ethereum initially, now there are exchanges now where you can buy NFTs and you could probably use different crypto, I think. Mm -hmm. Even I'm not sure about that. I know you could buy, there, some of them are setting up for US dollar um, thing, but I've just been dealing with the crypto, uh, the, the Ethereum aspect of it because I, I like it as a, um, as a currency and as, as a, as a platform. Okay. Let me, let me, let me wrap up here with let people know where they can see the movie triumph and when it's coming out. Uh, so it will be, we're getting ready to make a release announcement. Um, right now it's, it, it did its theater run. Um, 
I'm not sure actually where I know they're, they're doing the VOD release and they're tight and they're, they're tying up the, um, the, uh, the platform, the streaming platform. So I don't, I don't have an actual answer to that I'm right now. I, I know it'll sometime be in the next, in the, in the next month or two is when they're going to do that. Um, and so I will find out and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll shoot that over to you guys. Um, but I, I, I know it's coming out soon, which is, which is great because I want people to be able to see it. Fantastic. All right. Well, this has been fascinating. Please say hello to your beautiful wife and your wonderful daughter. And um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And it's been very, very informative. So thank you thanks, so much. Greg. Yeah. It's thanks for great, your time. It's great talking to you guys. And Tim, let's talk soon. And, yeah. Yeah. You know. For sure. Yeah. I appreciate you. We be doing business. Take yeah, care, man. Greg. All right. Sounds Rock and good. roll. <laughs> Rock and roll, guys. Bye. Thanks.